Hey friends, uh, you're listening to another Collaboration Code Radio, where we bring together the San Diego and tech community, and I'm your host, Chelsea Kaufman, the founder and CEO of Learn Academy, and today I have one of our alumni, um, Mike LaRocca, with us. Thank you so much for hanging out. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Learn Academy, special place in my heart. It, you know, we have special places for all of our people that have come through. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm excited because I, you know, through this process, get to learn even more about you and your journey and your history. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, been definitely like kind of windy and all over the place, but very fun. I think that that's my f- my favorite part about these podcasts we've been uh, recording is that there's no like one path into this industry. Totally. Uh, even before boot camps, right? That everyone has had such a different journey that it's really cool to kind of see where people came from and what they're doing and yeah, like Yeah, yeah, yeah. What segments they get interested in and all the different kind of niches that you can find yourself yeah. getting into. For sure. Within tech. So we're recording right before the holidays. Mm-hmm. Do you got any fun plans or anything like that? Um, not too much. So I grew up in Orange County. So I'll be kind of up there doing family stuff. Yeah. Um, my wife's actually from Orange County as well. So we knew each other in high school and middle school and ended up kind of reconnecting. And so our families live like probably two, three minutes away from each other. That's rad. Yeah. So we kind of like split, we'll split time. We'll like have dinner and then run over to the other place yeah. and, you know, hang out. And so it's super convenient. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. Rob grew up kind of in the Pasadena area. Oh, okay. Yeah, so nice. we're we're actually going up that way also. Nice. Uh, right after the holidays. Yeah. So, cool. I love that story with your wife. Oh. Because. Yeah, it's longer. It's actually, <laughs> uh, it's pretty funny, you know? She like, well, so we hung out as friends, but like not, we weren't in the same friend group. And then mm-hmm. she went off to college. I went off to college. We came back home and we were kind of like hanging out, doing yoga together. Um, just as friends and I was clearly like super into her <laughs> and she was clearly like super not into me <laughs> so does she still say that uh, does she still say that today probably yes <laughs> <laughs> I'll go on record as saying that yeah so she, like like we started hanging out um, and then when I got a job in San Diego um, and moved down here I kind of like spilled the beans to her um, but in a super non-elegant way. We went to coffee and I had this whole plan to like tell her how I feel. Yeah. And I totally chickened out. So I ended up texting her later that <laughs> night. And she shut me down pretty quickly. She was like, thanks for being my friend, you know, and blah, blah, blah. She and put you in the box. Yeah, well, the funny thing was like, so I moved down here and I was just like very into, I was doing this physical program for training and I was also deep into this new job, solving a lot of problems. And so I really didn't have time to think. Um, and she ended up... Uh, like, or I was I was late one night kind of thumbing through Instagram, yeah. and I saw this beautiful picture of her like at a wedding, and I was like, ah oh, man, I kind of got like bummed out a little bit, and I didn't I didn't like it, I didn't comment on it or anything, uh, and like five minutes later she texted me and she was like, hey I miss you and you know I I think I like you too, and <laughs> once that kind of happened like the ice broke and yeah. kind of the floodgates opened and we ended up having great conversation and yeah. she moved down here to take a job and things kind of just went from there. I love that. Yeah. I love opening with the little love story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. So tell me a little bit about like your early in high school, what were your, what were you doing? What was your focus? Uh, early years, I mean, I was kind of 
I didn't really, I, I was kind of academically inclined, but I didn't really, wasn't super invested in anything in particular. Um, I ended up kind of gravitating towards track and field. Uh, I started in cross country and was a terrible distance runner. And kind of as we went into track season, I was like, there's no way I'm gonna run mile, two mile, that stuff is too painful for me. So I jumped into uh, to high jump and ended up being kind of good at it. And over the years, just like really grew in terms of my training capacity and my performance. And we kind of built as a team uh, my high school year. And when we got to be seniors, we just, we crushed our league and Orange County championships and got to go to the state meet. And so that was kind of, from that point on, I was like super into track and that kind of followed me on into college. Yeah, Yeah. you went to UC Santa Barbara. Yes, yeah. Majored in biochemistry and molecular biology. What were your thoughts then? Like, what did you want to do with that? I mean, my dad was a doctor, and so I I had kind of this, like, idea that I was going to be a physician, Mm -hmm. and I was super interested in orthopedic medicine because of the track connection. Oh, yeah. And... um, Ended up, so I competed in college as well uh, mm-hmm. for UCSB and didn't like, had a, had a, didn't do too well my first two years because I had an injury, like a bad low back injury that I sustained in high school. Uh, basically like herniated a disc in my low back. So it's like, oh gosh. yeah, with a certain motion, I basically would just like have an event that would take me out for a couple weeks. Holy. Yeah, and so I went to go see this orthopedic surgeon and he was like, Basically, like, you need to quit track and stop doing what you're doing <laughs> and just, like, manage it for the rest of your life. And I was like, I'm not accepting that as a legit answer. There's got to be, like, something I can do. Sure. And so I sought alternative treatments like acupuncture, massage therapy, and those kind of things. Ended up kind of, like, reworking how my body moved a little bit uh-huh. to take stress off that area. Yeah. And then ended up having like crazy success my last two years. Like our team, same thing that happened in high school, happened in college, like kind of like built into this like solid group of people that all really cared a lot. And you know, we worked hard and ended up like winning our first conference title. Do you think you still use that today? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that track and field is a weird sport because it's like a bunch of separate people doing very separate things to kind of all come together and do well. Whereas like basketball, it's like you're very integrated into scoring a single point. Mm-hmm. Track and field, it's like all these little events happening kind of simultaneously. So everybody has a very specific job. So I always, it was always like, what is your job in this scenario? Do it really well and everything else around you will start to do better. Yeah, how does that contribute to the success of the team? Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's like this this total corporate paradigm a little bit. Yeah. It's kind of strange. I like it. Yeah. I, don't, I come from the performing arts, and so the, it has a similar feel to it because in the theater, you, you do have those separate jobs, uh-huh. right, that all contribute to this one story and this one project, right, but you have a lighting designer who's job is to right. the lighting and then the scenic and you know so you have all these different things that add up to this whole yeah uh, and I find in my daily life that there's 
similarities. Totally. And how you create and build a team in, in that specific indus- in industry. Um, to create like an art, you know? Yeah. And you get this beautiful picture that everybody just like enjoys. And if the art's really good, they're like totally enamored and encapsulated. Right. But then like they, it's really hard to take a step back and really think about all the different things that went in to that yeah. single shot, you know? Right. And how one, if one of them is off. Yeah. Just like in, in what it sounds like in track and field, like if you have one team member that is not, you know, performing at their best, yep. then that big picture goes away. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 10 points here, 10 points there, you know? Yeah. You know, a, a missed quarter in, you know, marketing or sales or something. And, yeah. you know, your company doesn't hit their goals or, you know, some bad lighting and you have to redo a take and that's a bunch of money. And For yeah. sure. I love that. I don't think I'd ever really thought about track and field that way because it from the outside it looks like such an individual sport right right that like here's this one person doing this whatever the event is yep and it i never really thought about the like team aspect of it totally how it's really neat to kind of hear you talk about the success that you had both in high school and in college yeah because of how you built this team yeah yeah that's a really cool way to kind of look at it, 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 and then moving on into like what you're currently doing with building in you know building teams. And yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty bizarre, you know. Like they don't, they don't really. When you're in the Olympics and stuff like that, there's no actual like team title, so it's abstracted from us. It's more of like a college and a high school thing. Sure. Um, and I was I I felt more like serendip- serendipitously included in both of those moments, high school and college. Yeah. Like I was like almost dumbfounded that they happened. It was very strange how they both happened so similar. And so I was like I'm I feel super blessed to be in this situation and I'm kind of like I don't try too hard to look back and like try to re-engineer that experience like moving forward right. into like companies and stuff like that, but um there's definitely some things to draw on. Well, what I think is interesting is it, it's not possible to like re-engineer it right. because the people are different and the product is different. Totally. But the theory and the process and like that part is similar. Yeah. I've always thought because I, I also come from a very different industry that I am in right now that all of the things that I did were just training me to what I'm doing now for what I'm doing now. Yeah. Even though I had no idea that that's what was actually happening at the right, time. Right. You know, so it, it's cool to kind of see how even in high school when you were doing these really cool things of bringing people together for this like common goal. Yeah. Yeah. That, like that's a neat thing. That's like a, a silver lining that has followed you from totally years. Mm-hmm. Cool. So. After college, uh, you went to Santa Barbara Body Therapy Institute? Yeah, right? yeah. So, well, to echo your performing arts career a little bit, yeah. I actually had an interest in film Cool. for a short time. Uh, when I was late in my college years, after that physician had sort of like rubbed me wrong, I was like, I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm going to go be in film. And I, I had this sort of like grandiose idea that I was going to be a director and all this stuff. So I did an internship on, at Jimmy Kimmel Live. Nice. Which was freaking awesome. <laughs> uh, I sat on a, a writer's and talent management desk in L.A. for a little bit cool. and actually got to work on a film set out in uh, um, Louisiana. So I, w- I had this dream that I was going to go get a massage therapy degree and kind of do that on the side while I was taking 
uh, acting courses and directing courses yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I got the massage therapy degree, never ended up moving to LA, moved back down to Orange County yeah. and ended up using the degree. I mean, like massage is cool because I was allowed to kind of carry my track body knowledge of muscles and all that stuff into mm -hmm. like how to help people a little bit. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people have chronic pain based on their tension patterns, yeah. um, you know, and the way that that people hold themselves is very individual. And so being able to kind of like diagnose the body and say, oh, I think your shoulders are tight because X, Y, and Z is like a pretty generally good life skill. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it kind of, yeah, I've used it ever since then. Yeah. So then what, what happened next? You... I went from, so I moved, I finished the degree, went back to Orange County mm -hmm. and started kind of working. Uh, I did a massage job for a little bit. It wasn't for me, yeah. like a, kind of a corporate thing. And then I jumped in. My, my neighbor had a business, which was a pretty cool business. It was... Um, Uh, acoustic vibration and electromagnetic isolation. So she was basically doing like environmental noise uh, enclosures for high performance microscopes. Wow. Like super insane. Yeah. Um, and I was very like kind of intimidated at first. Super small company, right? Yeah. She was like a brilliant scientist and started her own thing. And um, what were you doing for them? She took me in and she was like, we have some like testing that we need to be done on our enclosures so I was just doing like vibration tests and it was like basic graph analysis and stuff like that so pretty pretty kind of easy to do and from there I kind of grew into this role as a product manager they had a small tool that they had built that took data so you could plug in a sensor put it on a table and it would record like vibration you could plug in a microphone and it would basically like take my voice and break it down into frequencies yeah. and like what frequencies had the highest decibel. And that's basically how we did all of our testing and stuff. And so she said, you know, take this tool, you can manage it as a product. And there was a software component to it. Mm -hmm. um, so I got to work with uh, both a hardware and a software developer as kind of contractors, managing their, their backlog of to-dos and prioritizing. Yeah. And was that like, would you say that's your, I don't know, entry point into like the cross section of the science body work that you're doing and technology? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say at the time I realized it. I think it's, sure. I think it's benefiting me now. Um, it was a little bit later in my career that I was like smashed in the face with technology, um, solving my problems. And that's when I really fell in love with it. But yeah, so, it, it got me into the like user mindset of who are my customers, what do they really want mm -hmm. out of this tool, and can I draw in them to drive the design instead of me sitting in a room and saying, I think this is what people want right? type of a thing. So got in contact with some of the past customers, kind of did a recap of what they enjoyed and you know what could be worked on and, and yeah. use that to kind of build out the, uh, the backlog. Cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, so I was living at home at the time, and I was like, I definitely, you know, I love this situation, but yeah. I definitely need to kind of move on, right? 
So, okay, so you're doing that. When did you, was moving down to San Diego next or were there, yeah. that was the next step? What yeah. brought you to San Diego? It was, so I started looking for jobs because I was like, I love this, but this is not my jam. So sure. um, I, I applied for a, a job at a biotech startup and I was like, maybe, you know, I have my degree in biochemistry, maybe, you know, I can try lab workout and see how that works out. So I got hired as like employee number eight to a company called BioSpider. Mm -hmm. And their product was building sort of uh, gene panels that they would do RNA sequencing against. So as a scientist, I could come in and say, I want to work on, or I want to test these 100 genes. And we'd put together this custom panel for them and run it, and they would get some data back that would tell them things that, yeah, gene expression. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So I was like hired into the impression that I was going to be doing lab work. And okay. on day one, they were kind of like, okay, we have, you know, some other tasks. We need these security cameras set up and we have this inventory management process that doesn't work. And we have this robot that doesn't work either. And I was like, okay. So I set up the security cameras, <laughs> which I did not think I was going to be doing. Um, and then jumped into... Uh, the inventory management stuff mm -hmm. and they basically had their whole thing in Excel yeah. and so when a customer would come to us they would take the first like they would go through their list manually and they would pick out the individual things that a customer would want and so the human genome has about 25,000 targets yeah. So like combing through a list of 25,000 building like a new list of 2,000 and then having a scientist handpick was like not a scalable process. No. So my VP of uh, R&D, she was like, there's this thing called SQL. I don't know what it is, but you need to figure it out. <laughs> okay. So with like no idea of what I was really doing, I just kind of Googled some Stanford open course or open, yeah, open software courses right. on database design and query, SQL query language and uh, just kind of started teaching myself and modeling the data that I was seeing mm -hmm. just around that process. Um, so I ended up kind of creating this table for probe design where we held all the individual sequences and I had this join table to inventory and then I had each customer get their own table that would point to like the inventory record and the design record and I just like was so stoked with this thing that I was building that yeah. it was all in SQL, you know. I ended up writing some stored procedures for like ingesting a CSV and spitting out a file that we would put into this robot. And so it became this kind of like well-oiled process that I'm, for all I know, is kind of still exists there today. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So that was a super cool, that would, that would be my like, my realization that like, oh my gosh, this is what there's a whole world i was like i was like amazon runs <laughs> like this <laughs> right right uh, right there's yeah. a lot there's a lot behind that that you wanted to dive into yeah i had this neo in the matrix moment like i know kung fu <laughs> <laughs> it was it was really it was really powerful that's awesome uh okay so then what was the next uh switch after that uh from yeah there was a period of time like where so I was employee number eight, um, mm -hmm. and 
wasn't really like the most uh, constructive company to be working at. Yeah. Um, kind of like low pay, not a lot of ownership in what we were building in general. It was kind of like, um, it felt like kind of a negative work environment. So uh, I kind of pulled back on, so my job was half manufacturing, half database. Really loved the database, really didn't love the manufacturing, but the growth of the position was primarily on the manufacturing side. Sure. So I, I had a chat with my boss. I was like, I think you know you need to bring somebody in to help on the manufacturing side, and I kind of want to pull back just to contracting on the database side. And he said, that's totally fine. Um, and so I went the route of like doing that half time, and then I used my massage therapy degree and did some personal training on the side. Um, started to get some clients and kind of was had my feet in two different states. Yeah. Um, ended up like getting a full schedule as a personal trainer and massage therapist, and was like in that world. I yeah. did that for about like six months, and just totally burnt me out. Like the the work style and yeah. the hours, like six a.m. to probably eleven, and then like uh, three at night to like or three p.m. to like nine at night. It was like this wow. weird, like, cause well, well, cause you, you have to do it outside of like work hours is where the core clients happen. Exactly. Got it. Yeah. So you're training people and it's like on these non-work, work hours. So I kind of said, all right, I'm at this point where I want to kind of just find it like a track and just stay on it for a little while. Yeah. And I really enjoyed the database stuff. So, and I was still doing the contracting work for him and right. I was finding that all the employees were coming to me with questions about, hey, can I have this, can I get this data out? Can I do this with the data? Can this, this, and this? And I was like, man, I was like, there has to be some way to, you know, like give them access. And so I started doing research and I was like, oh, you put a website in front of a database. <laughs> <laughs> and you, I was like, there's this thing called full stack. <laughs> and I, like one of the guys who I'm still good friends with was the bioinformatics guy there who had experience with coding. And he was like, well, you should look into the LAMP stack. And okay. trying, to, trying to learn LAMP stack while you're doing like a half-time job and a full-time job was just like not really reasonable, so. Not realistic. Yeah, yeah, so I, sure. I again consulted the boss and I was like, hey boss, <laughs> I, will, <laughs> I will build you this website uh, for like, 20 hours per week and you know for x rate and I'll learn how to do it on the side <laughs> and he was like nope <laughs> so that's when I started doing research was a good try yeah he was like he was like <laughs> he was like absolutely not I was like okay <laughs> I was like I'm out uh, you know I'll transition the job into new hands and I I taught this uh, this other employee how to do all the the database related stuff and she's a pretty bright cool person and then I started doing research on boot camps. And because I was like, this is what I, you know, I want to learn the other two thirds of the pie. Yeah. How, how can I sink my teeth in full time? Yeah. And so there was a lot of remote boot camps that came up. Mm -hmm. And my cousin, he's a VP of engineering at a company up in LA called Social Vibe. And he was like, you know, I think you should look for an in classroom one. and. And so I was looking at, you know, you guys and Origin, and mm -hmm. I kind of, like, put all the skills down on paper, and we had this long chat about the pros and cons of learning these different languages, and, you know, 
origin being a full stack JavaScript shop and mm -hmm. and you guys being Ruby, but then also getting exposure to JavaScript, he kind of was like, I think you'll be more better off. You'll be better off if you you know if you go with Ruby. Both. Yeah. And so I I toured you guys and was like, I'm in and started that was like in December with searching, started in January. Yeah. yeah. It's it's always interesting to me that the time is so different for everybody of like when they decide to do it and then when they are in class. Yeah. It's like so different. Yeah. For, Somebody for it could be days. like six months. Mm -hmm. Somebody else it could be like an hour or two. Right. And they, yeah. they're just like, okay, I'm in. And yeah. you're like, okay, yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, cool. So what, what kind of like preparation did you do? I mean, I know it was a, a short period of time. Yeah. But what did you really what were what were the things that you worked on um i started i mean i was lucky to have the database stuff in my back pocket kind of already but i was like under the impression at the time that java and javascript were like pretty similar things and <laughs> yeah. so somebody was like no they're not common, you know common mistake start to look into javascript and sure. um i had applied for a small scholarship called it was called grow with google they partnered with Udacity mm -hmm. to do these like little course modules. And I just applied for it. It was like a $200 course and they comped it for me. And I was like, okay, so I'm gonna do this course, you know, and finish this to kind of get my teeth wet mm -hmm. or my feet wet, sink my teeth into it. I just took two things and yeah. I do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that was my first exposure to HTML and CSS and JavaScript. and. I got most of the way through the course and ended up actually finishing it while I was at at Learn. But I would say probably 75% of that was done before I started. Yeah. And so I got like a little bit of exposure, but sure. mostly with HTML and CSS. Right, because you'd already had the database side of it. Yeah. And that, that makes sense to me, like yeah. adding that front end part. Totally. Thing. That was the world that I like needed to know that I didn't know. Yeah. But it was just like these three random things that I didn't yet really know. I mean, they connected on a web page for me. Sure. But it was just like I write the HTML here, I write the colors here, yeah. and I do some effects with the JavaScript stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> a very limited knowledge. Sure. What would you say? Would you? What kind of advice would you give anyone for like prepping for? coming into a boot camp? That's a great question. I think as far as preparation goes, really anything helps. Like personally, if you were to get a, a decent understanding of JavaScript um, and like basic data structures, I think that you're kind of setting yourself in the right direction. You know, like knowing HTML and CSS is still really helpful. I mean, at that stage, it's just like drilling, right? It's like solving small problems. And so those online courses are great for prep because they take you through these like small problem iterations and you get a little bit of project knowledge along the way. So I mean, online resources at that point. Yeah, because it's, it's a different way of thinking. Yeah. And that, that that logic part of it, yeah. I think I find if you if you can find those tools online or wherever that just get you started in thinking about solving problems yeah. in this way, yeah, 
is is a great place to start. Totally. That uh, that sometimes, and we talk a lot about like we're constantly questioning, you know, what languages we should be teaching. Right. But it, the language part isn't necessarily the most important part. The the way you think and the way you learn is the most important part to us. And so I think that yeah, that you're right. That like looking at that logic part. It's something that seems very important when you're in it and like learning it, but then after you are in it for long enough, you realize that it's just, you look at one language and you look at another language. They may look kind of different, but they're doing the exact same thing. And you can pretty much do anything. Well, I mean, um, I can't say that, right? Anything with any language, but you know. Right, but it, but it is, there is something too, when you're first starting out, and we talk a lot about this a lot when we're onboarding folks that just start with one. Yeah. Right. That like there are very few developers out there that only write in one language right, right, right. for the, their entire career. Totally. And so you just have to start somewhere and get that basic foundation down. Totally. And and that way of thinking down. And you know, I think that you can be successful. Yeah. Yeah. Resources like Free Code Camp and those things, Udacity, you know. For sure. Super helpful. Yeah. So what do you remember about that very first day? And how did um, you feel? Like, what, what were you walking into? Um, I, just, I, I mean, I remember being, like, super chill, relaxed. Yeah. Um, in those kind of situations, I, I, I usually am kind of chilled and relaxed. Um, but just wanting to, to dive in and, mm-hmm. and being, like, a little overzealous I think the like track and field training mindset is like, give me as much as, you know, I wanna work as hard as I can, throw as much as you can at me. Yeah. And um, like learn for me from that first day, st- sort of did this like ramp up to where I had a little bit of the HTML, CSS and JavaScript. So it didn't feel like I was being hammered. But mm-hmm. then like week two and week three, when we started to get into React and stuff, it was just like, a rocket ship of confusion and, you know, like being hit with so many different, you know, did I make the right decision? Um, you know, would I have been better doing this on my own and taking like a year to do it mm-hmm. versus three months and um, just kind of sticking with it for me, yeah. um, taking a deep breath, uh, trying to understand what was happening every day just a little bit. That was kind of what led to success and comfortability, and yeah, yeah. I think that that is a very common place to be in, especially yeah. in that like second, third week of the program. Mm-hmm. That we often, and you, you've come back during this time because during that time we almost always bring back alumni in the second or third week to, yeah. to it. I don't share in that emotional part of it because mm-hmm. it it is. That is usually when that first week is usually pretty smooth, and then once you get into that second or third week, is when you start going, "Did I make the right? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? This is really overwhelming. There's lots of things." Yeah. And so, I, you know, you've sat on the panel several times for our now, you know, for the current classes to kind of help them. Yeah. Through that 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 first hurdle. Yeah, it's right. it's funny. You can almost like you can gauge where that student's at just by the questions that they're asking. You know, like some of them are more like internship and job focused, sure. and the others are more like technology focused. And 
I don't know. At that point in time, I would a piece of advice I would say is definitely be more technology and and yeah. like detail focused into what you're learning. I was a little too job focused at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I think week six, like trying to get phone screens and stuff like that, and I was just way I jumped the gun way too much on that. Yeah. Yeah. Take your time. <laughs> it's okay. It's all gonna work out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And like be in that, be present and yeah, yeah. learning. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, deep breath, learn the basics. Everything's going to be good. Yeah. So besides the like learning how to code part, what were some of the most valuable things that came out of the program for you? Well, so in my two current jobs, I've been doing a lot of like collaborative work, mm-hmm. most mostly mob programming, pair, pair programming. Cool. Um, Learn obviously being pair program focused, it it's a different style of working. Like I think a lot of people come into the coding profession and they think they're just gonna stick their headphones on and be in their own space and kind of just write, you know. And day one at Learn, I just remember being so tired at the end because you're communicating how something that you don't really know how to speak about yet. It's almost like you're in a foreign country trying to speak Spanish to somebody and you're learning Spanish and you're trying to get the other person to understand you while also get something to work, you know? And so that was definitely a muscle that I I wasn't used to using and it took a while for that to kind of uh, develop, but paying huge dividends now that I'm out in industry and and business and, and pairing a bunch and able to like coherently say, you know, we need a function that does this, 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 and this, you know, and and essentially like speak my code out loud. Other people can kind of like, they're like, oh, that's what you want to do. And, and you can see people who have never done it before, even if they're like super experienced, they like at the end of the day, they're like, oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah. And it, I, I love how you talk about the muscle part of it because they don't, it isn't something that I think a lot of people are used to doing and in, in lots of different industries of, yeah. of how you are truly collaborating together. Mm-hmm. And I and I do think that programming in general lends itself to that kind of environment mm-hmm. that you need to know how to communicate your code and and communicate with the other developers in order to be successful. Yeah, if you're in a back-end role and you guys are communicating around or you're communicating with the front end developer on like API design and communication, you know, you have to say, hey, this is my layer, this is the data that you have access to, and the front end guy knows what to consume. And like the better you can put all that out into words and make sure that, you know, other people understand it. You may be speaking, but it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody gets it. So that intrapersonal side of pairing preps you for the body language and the, you know, that side of communication, the kind of emotional intelligence piece. Right. Yeah. It's really important to kind of get both those things. Uh, So through the program, you ended up going to seven CTOs for your internship. Yeah. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, totally. Totally. Again, I was very like job focused Um, and Etienne's pitch definitely won me over. Uh, for two big reasons. The first one was mobile development. I was like, man, it would be so cool to sink my teeth into 
you know, writing a, a mobile app. And it was in React, so it was something that we had done before. And the second one was like the CTO's network. <laughs> um, right. You know, him being this uh, San Diego figure who hosts small groups of uh, CTOs for workshops and, and stuff like that. He had a very strong reach into all the different businesses, and I kind of felt like um, getting to work on a mobile app and exposing myself to that kind of a network was like a super good idea. And he's like very uh, amicable and, you know, he's he wins people over and he kind of won me over and he's an awesome dude. So I was, For sure. yeah, I was super glad I went there. Um, what was the, like, what did a, a day-to-day look like for the internship? Um, it was pretty, um, so it was me and two other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was pretty open-ended. Like we showed up there and he had an idea of what the project was. He said, I want to build a chat interface into my mobile app. And I was like, oh, cool. It was a, a Rails backend with a React Native front end. And we didn't know the structure of how we were going to do it. He's like, do you guys want to split tasks up and take them individually? And we ended up saying, OK, we're going to mob program on it. And I was like, cool. This is going to be a lot of fun. So we had no idea what you know WebSockets were. So the first week was we identified a couple of different um, methods to like accomplish the goal, and we built small little proof of concepts out. And we kind of, by the end of the week, we pitched the three concepts and their pros and their cons, and uh, ended up landing on a library that you know interfaced with Rails, WebSockets, and they had it had a hookup for React Native. And so we ended up just kind of building this chat interface from scratch, um, which was a lot of fun. We got to model the the data, like messages and chat rooms and users. And we spent the next three weeks kind of putting it together. And yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you were there. Do you feel like by the end of it, you guys did, where did you end? Did you mm. get through the task? Did you, you know? Yeah, so we we ended up making it work for one-on-one. So cool. if we were to chat, it would have functioned well. Right. Um, the whole project was to get group as well working, so group chats and also interest-based chats. Hmm. Um, and so there was a, a task there that people left and kind of got jobs. Alexa got hired at, at Zito and Jack. Um, started working for his dad building out a website and I was kind of like well I'm still looking for jobs Um, you know do you mind if I stay on and finish up the group and the interest-based chats and he was like yeah absolutely and so I kind of soloed on those tasks in my free time in between job hunting and uh, yeah yeah that's such a great strategy we talk to our students a lot about that yeah like that the conversation that you have with the internship company at the end of the program. Right, right. Whether, you know, even if you know that it's not going to turn into a job, there's still a lot of value there mm-hmm. that, and, and lots of different ways it can look, like like your experience with yeah. continuing to work on it, building up skills, building up portfolio thing, you know, and, and then also going on the job hunt. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, you could, you could, come out of that job and 
lose focus and or come out of that internship and lose focus and stop coding and i think you know tethering yourself to that commitment of hey i want to build you something yeah. it keeps you engaged and showing up and job hunting is uh not the most fun thing it's kind of it can get you down and so having that anchor into your skills and the the fact that you're learning and seeing some small successes while building something is it's super key to have during that process the job search because yeah it can it can be down a little bit yeah i mean the job hunt in itself is like you're looking for one win right right <laughs> in this sea of many yeah. rejections yeah. right yeah, but yeah, like yeah. that that's just the nature of of what it is and mm -hmm you're right that it is hard and I don't think I've ever heard anyone tell me that they enjoyed the job oh like had a blast yeah like hey yeah, I had right. a blast searching for jobs the other right. day that was so fun you're like meh probably not no, no I mean there there are I think fun parts of it like if you want to look at the you know if you're really out there networking and meeting new people and like yeah I did some of that that was right? yeah being out there at events is a blast you know and just getting out of the like I'm trying to network and search for a job and more so I'm here having conversations with people and yeah. I'm getting to know people and I'm talking about, you know, what they're building and what they're working on and yeah. that stuff is a lot of fun. But sometimes you tense up and you're like, oh, should I talk, you know, oh, what company do you work for? Oh, are you guys hiring? Right. It's like, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I think that there's a lot of pressure that every connection that you make at a meetup has to yeah. like lead to that job totally, yeah. and if you just get you get stuck in that that you you can't move forward anywhere right. and if you can look at it at, at in the each connection could lead somewhere and you just never know yeah. who it is that you're talking to and how that might play in later you know i i was talking to a student the other day about the like peer-to-peer -peer relationship mm. and, and how that could even like lead to a job down the road. So oh, totally. to not ever dismiss, like if you meet someone that is at a meetup and you're like, oh, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, I'm job hunting. You're like, oh, I'm job hunting. Yeah. We shouldn't talk to each other. We right, right, right. But there could be a lot of value there that like, what if, here is a scenario, you set up a like coffee date to like go work on something or whatever. You yeah. learn that they're, interested in something different than you are and maybe they go on a job hunt and they find this job that is perfect for you and right. then you like right. make this connection and they recommend you and so you just never know where any of those connections could go totally 100 percent. and so if you can kind of let that i don't know like let the pressure go yeah that every connection ha is like you, you meet the hiring manager of right. xyz <laughs> It's like, oh my God, that just fell in my lap, right? right? right. <laughs> when is that going to happen? Never. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, it probably does somewhere, but I yeah. think that, that building relationships is what's important when you talk about networking and yeah. things like that. But yeah. Is the intent networking or making friends like, and enjoying people? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like you, if you're in that space of, um, you know, I'm being compassionate, I just want to, you know, make friends and enjoy life, and people can read that, you know, and, and they'll kind of gravitate towards it, and yeah. versus like, I'm a networker, and <laughs> I'm going to put right. on my, my suit and tie. And right, right, right. It's funny that you mentioned, though, like, the peer-to-peer -peer connection, because the same thing happened to me with Sienna. She was like, I went for this, like, DevOps job, and it was when I was in between jobs, uh, between uh, Zito and 
uh, galley. And she was like, check this out. And she passed it along to me. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. You know, yeah. I ended up like getting with galley before going down the DevOps road. Right. But um, yeah, totally. I mean, it's super valuable. Well, and that's what we like to encourage and learn with the cohort specifically. That, yeah. Like your cohort can help you to get where you want to go. You mm -hmm. know what? I mean, we just. Uh, interviewed when we interviewed Emma and Jenny they were in the same cohort uh, and like followed each other's careers and Jenny was got to a place where she was hiring and she just reached out yeah, to right. Jenny and was like you need to join this team yeah. you know so like you lift each other up mm -hmm. and, and everyone like rises with that totally you know and so I think there's a there's a misconception that there's some kind of like competition that happens yeah but I think when that does, it actually is harder for everyone to get jobs. As totally. opposed to like, if we work as a team to get everyone jobs, that that is where success happens. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, I definitely felt that the environment at Learn was super conducive to thinking well of your coworkers and your, you know, your colleagues, and you guys cultivated like a really positive environment. Um, like, I enjoyed the people that I was with and the space was such that we could build those relationships and yeah it was it was super cool yeah and hopefully it, that you know you'll just see the reward of that throughout your career right? yeah yeah and I think it's too it's true too and when you look at it on a bigger time horizon so when you're sitting there looking at like oh so-and-so got a job and I didn't in that first week of being out of boot camp like the person that gets the golden ticket, you know, and does an internship and gets hired, like you're gonna be like, oh man, like your competitive side definitely comes out. But then like you're saying, two to three years down the line, you've been you've been in the industry for a while. Um, your cohort, you know, you'll probably see somebody, work with somebody down the road later. Right. Yeah. Right, or that you run across a job that, you know, somebody's looking for, just like Sienna, right? Yeah. But like, I don't know. You want to create that kind of collaboration and connection with each other so that everyone is succeeding. And I like the idea of looking at it because now, you know, a couple years out, who cares who if you got a job a week before the other person or like yeah. even a month after, totally. like in the big scheme of things, did you help? Did we all lift each other up and, you know, help each other find jobs? Yeah. yeah. I think that that there's a lot of value there. Yeah, creating a positive tech community. For sure. In general. Yeah, where we support each other yeah. and not a, a culture of competition. And, for sure. You know, you have to knock person down in order for you to get in line first. Yeah, that's the toxic kind of business, you know, yeah. and yeah, for sure. So what, so after you left your internship, what was, like, what was your job plan? What was your, you know, philosophy? How did you? I was, I was lucky because my fiance at the time, uh, she was flexible because she's a teacher and she was kind of open to looking at other cities. So I extended my job search um, outside of just California sure. and ended up applying to a bunch of places. My job, pro my job application process was like pretty rigorous. I actually wrote a Medium post on it that um, it's like, it was all about like volume. And I got some insight from like one of my past personal training clients and he was like, you're going entry level, he's like, just spam as much as you can, applications, you know, LinkedIn applications, all this stuff. And so I put together this plan and executed it. And I, 
I ended up getting a call back from a company in uh, Colorado, Boulder. Mm-hmm. Great city. Yeah. Um, Booming tech. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And they were like, they were like, we like your SQL that you have as your background. You know, here's your screen. And I was like, okay. So I kind of organically went through all the steps. For, and I was like very proud. They gave me an offer and I was super proud of it because it was like the only job that I applied to from resume only to like getting the offer that sure. worked. And I was like, yes, this is awesome. And so I went to Etienne and I was like, Etienne, I got an offer in uh, you know, Colorado, so I'm gonna have to move. And he's like, no, you can't leave San Diego. And so he, <laughs> he reached out to the CTO network and ended up connecting me with Matt Ferguson at Zito and um, interviewed there and was kind of had the two offers for a while and was kind of like, I need to go check out Boulder. So I went and visited, saw the company and really cool place, but would have just been such a huge life shift for sure. Um, that I was like, I'm gonna go with Cedo and stuck it, and stuck here, and yeah, and took a job there. Yeah, I think that there, it, I, we've talked about that a lot. The power of the first job offer. Yeah, yeah. Even I, and I love the like the idea of going back to the internship company that you knew was not necessarily like gonna hire you. Sure, sure, sure. But like using that resource, yeah. was so smart. Yeah, yeah. He's he made it very clear from like the beginning. He's like, uh, you know, use me, communicate with me, let me know what's going on, and and so even early on in the internship, I was already kind of poking him about staying and doing more work at the end of it yeah. and. And um, and yeah, I mean, I did a hackathon for with him like a, at the beginning of the summer, and yeah, this year, and that was a lot of fun. And so, just yeah, like you're saying, you build your community, and yeah, you you have that support network. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely been a like a mentor and a cool dude. And That's awesome. Yeah. So tell me about your time at Zito. Uh, Zito was very intimidating. Uh, you know, first job, they're kind of like also the downtown startup tech awesome company of, you know, San Diego. Sure. Um, the office was super cool, all the like different Harry Potter houses that they had and their structure was full mob programming. So they these big giant, you know, 90 inch TVs with these like tables and it's a very strict rotation, like three people on a mob. and. Yeah. And um, I wasn't working on the Xan side of things, so I was working on the ZXM side of things. Okay. And the difference there was Xan was like the their main baby, like the ad network. Um, mm-hmm. It was Java heavy with React front end and some other cool languages. Um, working on the ZXM side was more like in it was tools to help manage their uh, existing clients' properties, mm-hmm. and so. It was very cloud heavy, which I had never touched before. A lot of AWS, and then some of the other things that we worked with were like PHP and Drupal as a content management system. And we basically like we built a platform so that um, like half designers, half coders could build like easily build funnels into Drupal that we could use our. We had like custom tracking metrics that we could kind of gather data about which pages were working and which pages weren't working and mm-hmm. so it was this like kind of marketing funnel type of a product. Cool. 
yeah, the company and the culture were fantastic. I yeah. mean, it was very cushy. Yeah. You know. It sounds like you also learned a lot. A huge amount, yeah. Um, I, I was kind of in the throes with building full stack features for the first like month or two. Um, so got to learn a little bit about PHP, wrote some like vanilla JavaScript and stuff, and then was actually tasked with uh, somebody from my cohort got hired there also, like I said, Alexa. Yeah. And we got tasked with this kind of redesign of our AWS infrastructure, moving it from like an application to containerization on using the ECS, their container service, mm -hmm. and automating the whole thing. So we had this dream that like when we would sign up a new client, we could press a button and it would spin up their infrastructure. So we got to use Ansible to kind of code out the the infrastructure of it yeah. and um, bring an environment up and bring it down. And, and uh, that was super powerful to, to get exposure into not just like full stack features, but like infrastructure that surrounds that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it got me super comfortable with Linux and Bash and kind of networking and being able to set all those kind of things up. Um, it got me comfortable outside of the application, which was really cool, really powerful. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so you then transitioned to Galley, where you are now? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And tell me a little bit about what you're doing there. What is Galley Solutions? Uh, Galley's a really cool company. We, um, we're building like a back-end kitchen management solution for the whole industry, it, whether you're catering or non-commercial food service or restaurants like it's basically it manages your food data so like your ingredients your menus your recipes and your menus and right. then it uses that data to feed into how you do production so like batching of of certain recipes to fulfill your day efficiently um, purchasing how do i buy things and inventory being like kind of when do i buy those things yeah yeah, so pretty pretty powerful. It's also weird to see the industry is so kind of like outdated. Do a lot of stuff on spreadsheets, these kind of homegrown processes, and so bringing technology into that equation has been a lot of fun. Cool. Yeah, I think that there's, we're in a time where I think there's a lot of industries that are making that shift. Yeah. And it's really exciting. Totally. Uh, and that that's a really good, kind of example of it. Um, what? So what are you doing with them right now? Uh, currently, mm -hmm. um, anywhere from building, so the, the stack there is a node backend, uh, React front end. Yeah. Um, it's all TypeScript, so it's strongly typed JavaScript, which has been kind of fun. Um, and then GraphQL is kind of the layer in between the two, yeah. which is awesome to work with. Um, coming from the place of like, you do you know, these RESTful API requests and then you kind of stitch all this data together. With GraphQL, you just, you have this big JSON blob and it just gives you everything that you want. It's probably not the most, I mean, we've seen that it's, it has some performance things to work through, um, but makes front end velocity like move. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. I think what, to me, and this is a little bit of a side note, what's mm -hmm. exciting to hear you talk about it is 
all of these new technologies that you're working with that I know you didn't learn at, at learn. Right, right. Um, <laughs> learn. Right, right. Uh, but it's so great to kind of hear that how much you've expanded in a, pr- a relatively short period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like learning all these different things. Can you uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? Like the idea of learning new things, like constantly learning new things, right? Yeah, it kind of gets back a little bit into like the one language. Like you start with learning learning one language, and you learn uh, at learn. You know, you learn how to like read the documentation and ask questions that help you get to the answers and kind of how you solve this mini problem. And like that feedback loop, you can take into any language or any framework or anything. And just as long as you're talking to your rubber duck and you're asking questions and, and you know, slowly working towards those answers, then the, the, side knowledge of those languages and everything will just kind of flow in, you know? Yeah. It's not like you sit there and you study a language for, you know, two years and then you become the expert at that language. You just right. keep using it conversationally almost. Yeah. I mean, the problem with sitting down and trying to learn something for two years is that in two years that it is probably not even close to yeah. the same version yeah. or even the popularity of, of where it is. Yeah. And the concept too of like project intimidation and and getting comfortable with somebody saying, I have this thing that I want you to build. Yeah. And you may be like, I have no idea how that's gonna happen. But just saying, okay, I'll give it a shot, you know, like I'm not scared to, to try it. And then you develop those skills throughout that project and you get to the goal and then you've, you know, you've built it. And so not being intimidated when somebody has like a, a cool project or some, you know, jumping up, volunteering, kind of being hungry to, to take those things on, I think is a, like a skill that I'd suggest to, to all new boot campers. That's awesome. Yeah. So there's a lot of growth happening mm. at Galley. Yeah. 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 You're, you, you got in at a really exciting time. Uh, yeah, 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 totally. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about that? Um, a lot of stuff. Yeah, where do I start? Um, so I was developer number five um, when we started, including Benji, the CTO at the yeah. time. Um, and we have, in San Diego, we have now uh, nine or eight developers, not including Benji. Mm-hmm. Um, we brought in Matt Ferguson from from Gito as a CTO. Yeah. And then we started to aggressively hire in Argentina. Oh, cool. Yeah, so we've we've shifted from pair programming when I first started uh-huh. to um, remote mob programming. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's super radical. Um, it's very new to us as a company. Yeah. Um, we've, we've hired uh, currently five employees in Argentina and we've shifted, San Diego has shifted their schedule from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. Okay. And we, we jump in Zoom rooms and we just like remotely code uh, in mobs. Um, yeah, it's really cool. Uh, it's like, it's taken some adjusting 
Like for, for sure. me, this, the time schedule is fantastic because I get up early anyways in the yeah. morning. And so I can kind of like be off at two, go and climb or do something outdoors or something. Yeah. Um, so that's been great. But yeah, it's kind of enabling us to get some great talent to expand our capacity to like work on features. Yeah. And um, we had an influx of cash. We got a, an awesome funding round from uh, Zeta up in San Francisco. Right, right. Yeah, two, two and a half million dollars. So I, you know, definitely didn't see that coming when I signed up. Uh, we were in this tiny little- It was a small little team. We were, we were this mm -hmm. tiny team in this like podunk co-working space in La Jolla. Um, <laughs> And in this back dark room, you know, working on this like recipe software. <laughs> and it just, yeah, it moved quick. And everybody's doing such a good job of adapting and, and growing. And yeah, the team is, is fantastic. I wouldn't want to work with, as of right now, anybody else. That's awesome. Yeah. Can you tell us, like for somebody that doesn't know the industry at all, like what does a day-to-day -day look like? Like if you could tell yourself back in college, like yeah. what does a software developer do? Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like my day-to-day -day right now is a little like atypical or like sure. it's not common. So do you want me to do like a like that kind of a day or maybe my day at Zito? No, I won't, well, I think hearing about your day, because what I think is interesting about the industry yeah. is that I, I think it's all different, yep. right? Like there's so many companies are doing so many different types of things that yeah. even even your day at Galley and your day at Zito is different than, you know, some of our other partners and things like that. Yeah. But like, it's yeah. just kind of, I think it's fun to hear totally. like what. So so we have a stand up at 6 a.m. Yeah. Uh, we So we hop on Zoom. I feel like at some point you may be turning people off from cutting <laughs> and you tell them they have to do stand up Yeah, at right, stand up at 6 a.m. <laughs> I don't even know if I'd, I'd be down for that. Coding till 10 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we do a stand-up at 6 a.m. We just kind of talk about where each mob is at. We view, we use this cool software for bug tracking called Bugsnag. Mm -hmm. So it hooks into your front end and it hooks into your back end. And it just like watches for uh, unhandled and handled exceptions. Yeah. And then it just feeds them into a backlog. So we have like a a backlog of bugs that we try to keep absolute zero on, and we're vigilant about that, um, keeping that down as much as possible. And then we just talk about what's on deck for the mobs. And after stand-ups over, we jump into our individual mob zooms. Um, we have these gaming headsets that we got that have like microphones that come around, and and I've started to get my home remote setup dialed in. Yeah. So are you working mostly from home? Uh, I have the luxury of when we were, so I live in UTC, mm -hmm. and when we made the move from that community workspace to uh, WeWork, the WeWork is like down the street. So I, I had been walking to work yeah. for like five, six months. And yeah. then when we went remote, um, I'll do my first like two hours, so like 6 a.m. to 8 a.m at home and then we'll take an hour for breakfast when Argentina's taking lunch. Yeah. And then I'll walk into the office where I have more of like a an actual screen and a keyboard and a desk and stuff like that. Sure. But I did I did set myself up for like when I was here today before this podcast 
recording, I was at a coffee shop and I, I have this like 615 and 15.6 inch monitor that I got that has a tablet stand Oh, and cool. it like hooks into my laptop. And so I have this like whole like dual screen remote setup that I'm refining still, but yeah. it's very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I'll, I'll walk into the office and then we'll get back into our mob zoom and we'll kind of just like, we've been working with the process of, it's basically a screen share um, and a rotation. So we'll, I'll share my screen, you know, we'll code and people will tell me what to type mm -hmm. for a little while. Yeah. And then we'll basically do a git handoff. So we'll push a, a commit up, somebody else will pull it down, and then the, they start sharing their screen. Yeah. And so it's just a rotation and we just kind of work through our features like that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's you know, like remote, but I don't feel alone. You know, I'm not sitting in my house by myself writing right. functions. Um, right. It's engaging and, you know, it's just, we're discussing and. Yeah, the tools for remote work these days have made it less yeah. isolating. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is, that actually opens it up to more and more people, like that that's an option for other people. Yeah, Cause yeah. I, I think that the isolating nature of working from home, that's one of the reasons why I could never do it. Totally. That, like being around people motivates me. Yeah. Whether I'm talking to them or not. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Like I'm lucky. I have the advantage to be able to go into the office because mm -hmm. I, I'm in striking distance. You know. <laughs> but some of the other people, they don't have that that luxury. And I'm like, I love being in the in the room with sales and marketing, and so you get to hear about all the wins and stuff. So that there's there's definitely a benefit for me. So I'm kind of spoiled. But yeah, yeah, remote work. Is it's not that bad. Like tools like Slack have done a lot for. It's kind of like the modern day AIM for businesses, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it allows you to. I feel like to, that's exactly how I explain it to people. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, if you know what an AOL chat room was, right, um, right, you'll understand Slack. <laughs> yeah, like let's give you AIM chat rooms with Giphys, right. and then your life is complete. <laughs> Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, so a lot of that aspect is, you know, it makes home life, like, awesome and yeah. engaging. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you see in the future? What do I see in the future? Yeah. Let me pull out my crystal ball. <laughs> um, that's a great question. Uh, I, I mean, I love where I'm at. I love the technologies that I'm working with. Um, I recently got to work on a really cool project where we brought our Heroku like kind of dino application mm -hmm. and we moved it to AWS and uh, we're in Kubernetes now Yeah, and I got to be on that project and so we got to write Terraform which is another infrastructure as code tool cool. um, it basically it looks like a bunch of JSON but it just is your cloud environment yeah. and so you can say Terraform apply and it builds you a cloud information or uh, it builds you a cloud and then you could say destroy and it brings it all down and Amazing. Yeah, really powerful stuff. Yeah. I kind of find myself like getting thrown those projects more and more often. Yeah. <laughs> the cloudy infrastructure, DevOpsy type stuff, and mm -hmm. I'm like sort of having this realization that that might be my my sweet spot. Yeah. As a as a developer, but I'm too young in my I'm too green in my days to commit to something like that. 
sure. I think the more general knowledge I can get right now, the better. But yeah, just continuing to help Galley grow and, and succeed and is kind of is my future. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That sounds great. Yeah. What would you say uh, as as we kind of wrap up? Um, advice for any any come students? Yeah. Um, enjoy the process. Like drink it in. I have confidence that you know the program is teaching you the things that you need to learn, and is going to set you up for success. Um, you know be hungry, socialize, create as many opportunities for yourself as you can, um, do a little bit of studying every day, even after you get your job, because that'll go a long way. Um, yeah, don't be intimidated by projects. Um, learn machine learning and AI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's so much advice, yeah. That's that, I, that I could give, but have fun. Yeah, because if you're not having fun, then you should probably right. do something else. Yeah, right, right. Maybe this isn't for you. <laughs> yeah, I, right. my biggest piece of advice, um, and I've actually had a couple of people, one of my old BioSpider friends and employees um, reached out to me, and he was like, I saw you did uh, you know, boot camp, and you're working in the industry now. Like, okay. He's like, I think I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do it too. And I was like, okay, like, do you know about JavaScript? And he's like, no. And I was <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> before you do it, <laughs> let's just like, yeah. let's do a little bit of research and, you know, sink your teeth into something. It's like, because I had that database exposure, I knew that I was at least gonna like one thing, right. you know, in right. full stack. And I think a lot of people jump to that conclusion of like, this is gonna be awesome. And, and it's like, Get your, get your feet wet just a little bit. Let's yeah. see if you like swimming and then go jump in. Yeah, know? well, and there's so many uh, resources out there for yeah. you to do that that are free, that are online, that you can just go and try it out and, yeah. and see if it is something that you know, you're interested in, that, mm -hmm. there is an, that there is an interest and a drive there because it's, it is too intense of a program and an industry that is constantly changing, yeah. that if you're not at a place where you want to be a part of that, then it, it's not the right fit. For sure. And so I I think that's great advice to, to really like get yeah. your feet wet, yeah. test it out. Get your feet wet. <laughs> yeah. You can come hang out with us. Yeah. <laughs> we'll help yeah. You. Jumpstart, you know? Do jump something, start. yeah, do something like jumpstart. Um, and then once you know that, you know, you enjoy it, then, you know, sit back, work hard, and smile, because things will work out. I like it. Yeah. That's a good way to end. <laughs> uh, so is there a way people can find you if they have questions or yeah, um, want to reach out? You know, if, they, if you're on the Learn Slack, um, I'm in that channel, so you can reach out to me there. My, you know, my personal email, uh, LinkedIn, is a, I do a lot of stuff on LinkedIn, so okay. you can look me up on LinkedIn. And I haven't written a lot of blog posts, but it's it's one of my goals for the future. So I've done one cool. on like the job hunting process mm -hmm. and then one on this like small little problem that we solved with AWS and Kubernetes. So working on producing more of that. So awesome. Yeah. Well then we'll keep a lookout on LinkedIn. Cool. And keep an eye out. Yeah. Awesome. Well thank you so much for chatting with me. I loved learning more about your background and especially the 
the silver lining of bringing everybody together and recognizing talent and things like that that yeah. you you know started so many years ago. Yeah, yeah. I hope that I can continue to not re-engineer, but bring those principles in as well. You know. For sure. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And thank you guys for listening uh, and hanging out with us for another Collaboration Code Radio. Uh, if you want to learn more about Learn Academy, you can check us out at learnacademy.org uh, or any of the social channels, all of the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of that. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. <laughs>